All right, welcome to Mike's Video Game Podcast, inaugural episode one. I'm Mike Geig. And I'm Michael Wu, and we're the Mikes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so episode number one. Um, let's go ahead, yeah, we'll just go ahead and maybe just talk a little bit about ourselves. Go okay. ahead and start, Mike. Okay, well, like I said, my name is Michael Wu, and I've uh, been in the Midwest for a couple of years now, even though I was born and raised in the Chicago suburbs. Uh, but I got my start in the video game industry out on the West Coast, working for the unfortunately now defunct LucasArts Entertainment. Was I was working on Star Wars Episode One games uh, right before the film came out. But I happened to see a demo of a game coming out from Chicago, my hometown. Uh, it was for a game by a studio named Bungie, who I had been friendly with, uh, and it was the game Halo. So I left... Uh, LucasArts to work on Halo, or actually Oni before that in San Jose, California, and then up to uh, Redmond to work on Halo. And I was there for a very long time until I uh, I quit uh, shortly um, after we finished the Halo projects so that I could join my wife out on the East Coast. But right before that, I did a short stint at EA, helping some friends out work on Dead Space 3. So that's my, my background. Fair enough. I have to say Oni got a bad rap. Yeah, thank you, thank you. you. If you played it on the PC or a Mac, you you had the better experience. But that was a tough. I played on project. PlayStation too. Oh my goodness, that was punishing. <laughs> uh, so the control scheme, and I give credit to Rockstar. I think it was. The, I want to say there was a Vancouver office at the time. I, I my facts might be wrong, yeah, yeah. but I, I I vaguely recall that it was a Canadian team who was responsible for porting the Mac build over to a PlayStation 2. And how they did it in the time frame, I don't know. How they even came up with a workable scheme, I don't know, but they did. It, well, it was a launch title, right? Was I, it? I can't I even remember. I just a, remember it had a cool box. It had the shiny box. It had a shiny box. That's the only box. reason I yeah. bought it. I was like, I was like, cute anime chick, shiny uh-huh. box. Mm-hmm. And I'm like a fish at a lure. Yeah. You know, I'm just like, yeah. all right, I'll buy that. That was a long string of projects, uh, well, I guess industry-wide, but especially at Bungie, where when you looked at the specs... You're like, oh, this is going to be the most amazing thing the world has ever seen. No PlayStation Two, just Oni in general. Oh, oh, the game. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And the ambition of that project. I, some things, I guess, are okay to disclose, especially now at so long ago. But I remember hearing the figure that that project was supposed to be ten months and eight hundred thousand dollars. That was to see this little studio out in the West Coast. You have less than a million dollars. You have less than a year. Produce something real quick for the Mac. That's a and PC, that an action game, uh, based off of you know combining two great tastes. Well, that was rare at the time too. Mac games, yeah. in general. Yeah, I mean, it, like the the project leads were former Apple people, so they mm-hmm. really knew what they were t- they were doing. But it was the um, it was the networking and the AI that really kind of caught things up mm-hmm. and so we had uh these giant mechs that you were supposed to fight like a fight like mm-hmm. imagine like a street fighter type game but in full 3d against a robot like that was five times your size that's like a right that's like a saturday for me though right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's true all i remember is that the slide kick did almost twice as much damage yeah. as a shotgun at close distance yeah. do you did you ever pick up <laughs> guns and ammo there's no while... point because the right. kicks did yeah, yeah. But did you ever, like, while you're making a combat move, go and pick up a weapon in that game? Huh? Well, maybe. I, I don't remember. Like, that. you could slide into a weapon and pick it up. Well, yeah. That was all that kind I mean, of cool that sounds, stuff. sounds yeah. realistic. Yeah. Yeah. It was, oh, it was like an action movie <laughs> paradigm. And uh, I think I can also say this now. Uh, the Wachowski brothers were mm-hmm. really enamored with that uh, the pre-release footage as well. Yeah. And uh, they had approached Bungie f- 
for the possibility of making a project. But well, it never not, it never came to fruition. So they're not the Wachowski brothers anymore, right? No, I guess they're not. No, they're the Wachowskis. The mon- yeah, I don't know what the moniker is now. Yeah. I mean, that's yeah. kind of right. tangential, but right, it's just right. something that popped into my head. Yeah, that was right around the time that they were working on something called The Matrix. So now that, that explains why they were interested, is that these you know kung fu-like moves in a cityscape mm-hmm. was something that was right up their alley. Right, absolutely. Kung fu flair and stuff yeah. like that. I still remember www.whatisthematrix.com. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, all right, uh, so, yeah, hello, I'm Mike Geig. I figure I'll do my <laughs> origin story now. <laughs> um, my story begins, as with all things, uh, with Angelina Jolie. Um, <laughs> <laughs> this is, wow, this, I, this is going to be a yeah, great no, this, story. <laughs> no one ever believes me about this either. But, uh, no, I was when I was 10 years old, uh, the movie... Wow. Angelina Jolie and you're 10 years the, old. Yeah, the movie Hackers oh, came okay. out. And <laughs> let's just was... say that Angelina Jolie's acting was so amazing in that movie. It was her acting, really. Um, for anyone who hasn't seen Hackers, um, Angelina Jolie and a bunch of other people that don't matter um, go out to save the world from a bunch of, from an evil hacker and his virus. Um, and I would say that her performance in that movie was so moving. Um, that the very next day I started mowing lawns to buy my first computer, um, destined to become a hacker, um, which I didn't, as far as you know the government knows. And um, you know, and so the rest is kind of history, as they say. Where um, I got my first computer when I was ten. I bought it with lawn mowing money. It was secondhand from my aunt. Um, so if you ever happen to listen to this, Aunt Patty, thank you for the computer. Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, yeah, I just wrecked that computer over and over again. was it a pc or it was, was a yeah it was a 386 <laughs> um dos with windows loaded on it you mm-hmm. know um before i believe i believe eventually i got windows 2.9 windows for work groups but uh, <laughs> but anyway i wrecked that so much taught myself how to use a computer and kind of went from there where i um got, got really into software development and um and then tangentially into video games uh, where I've, I've worked on independent projects. It, it's funny how kind of contrasty our, our work roles have been since you've been on big teams and I pretty much only ever do indie and solo stuff. You were actually saying something about that the mm-hmm. other day even, um, where I've done a lot of indie stuff. Um, I've gone kind of a more educational route with it where I've, I've written a couple books and I've, I've taught and uh, now work at Unity Technologies as a trainer, you know, and I still make game projects and things like that. But again, always small stuff, always demo-like, always kind of experimental stuff. So, um, and now I'm here making a podcast. Yeah, me too. In Ohio. <laughs> me too. That's why it's Mike's Gaming Podcast. Yeah, the name finally <laughs> makes sense. Uh-huh. <laughs> Fair enough. I suppose I should go further back in my origin story. For me, the love of computers, and and I approached it more from a design and um, art side than from a programming side. Uh, but for me, it was uh, my very first computer, which was a reward for um, accepting a double promotion. So I skipped half a fifth and half a sixth grade. Uh, but my reward was an Apple IIe computer. Ah. And that was known for having high-resolution graphics, which was six colors and if memory serves, like 192 vertical lines of resolution. And it blew your mind. Yes. In fact, <laughs> there was a product called the Koala Pad, which was the very first graphics input pad that I knew of. And mm-hmm. I, my mother was willing to get me one. We got logo. We had all that stuff. 
Um, I was never very good at it, but I did learn like what a bitmap was, how to load them, how to okay. draw them and save them oh, using art packages, and then tried to make my own rudimentary um, adventure games in Basic, Apple Basic, which was actually, uh, I learned just recently that um, it was Wozniak had put that into the Apple system to make games, mm -hmm. uh, knowing that people would be able to test out the system. So what was your first game? My first game that I ever bought with my own no, money or that made. I ever made. I can't even remember the name of it, but I remember that you woke up in your bed and you saw a perspective of your bed. So your you first know. game was graphical. Yes, oh, it was wow, all okay. graphics adventures, you know, uh, and um, and it was really simplistic. So you would and you'd solve two bumps at the end of the bed, and those are your feet mm -hmm. uh, under blankets. Or are they? <laughs> or are they? <laughs> yeah, and then you had horror. you had choices like: do you get out of bed? Do you stay in bed? You open the you know, and it was and it wasn't like a text parser where it would ask you to type in a full sentence and it would figure mm -hmm. it out. Like, it was, no, I wasn't that good. It was choose one or choose two. Choose mm -hmm. one or two. It was more like a choose-your-own-adventure with graphics. Um, so that's where my bent was. Again, really funny how completely contrasted because my first many games had uh -huh. no graphics whatsoever <laughs> because I was pure programmer. Mm -hmm. um, my, my art skills still lie in the realm of stick figures. <laughs> And uh, my first game was on a TI-83 calculator. I wrote a Drug Wars clone uh, <laughs> in BASIC on a calculator, which meant I had to type out the code with the calculator the little, yeah. keypad. Yeah, oh yeah. it was. Uh, I didn't even know that I was programming at the time. I, a neighbor had this calculator because I was like 11. Mm -hmm. And he was like, hey, you can type these words in and they do things. And I was like, <laughs> weird. <laughs> okay, yeah. let's do that. And yeah. so I, I wrote a game on a calculator um, and then, yeah, and then just kept writing. Eventually, I learned what programming was and wrote right, a lot of console right. games. And, uh, not console games as in, like, Xbox. Console games as in on the console yeah. or terminal shell, you know, um, and wrote a bunch of games that way. So, again, funny that your games were graphical yeah. even from the start. Yeah. Fine, we're like, nope. But we both have this uh, this background where we we were enamored with the technology that allowed us to take control of it and to create an experience of some magic. sort. Yeah. yeah. And I wonder, um, everyone must have that who plays a game must realize this is, this is a, an artificial experience that's been created for me. And I wonder, that's do a, you think that's a term I've actually been throwing around lately? Right. I, I'll, I'll I bring up AI like, and yeah. everyone goes, Oh, I love artificial mm -hmm. intelligence or whatever. But I, I've actually, I'm, I'm trying to make this a thing, right? <laughs> okay. So I'm trying to brand it. I'm going to put like a copyright <laughs> logo after it. But uh, AI is in artificial imagination, where as opposed to a traditional game where I say, all right, move this metal figure, and you're imagining that metal figure is something, right? Or, hey, take this piece of leather to that part of the grass, and you get a touchdown, mm -hmm. right? And you have to imagine that that <clears> matters, right? That's the more traditional gameplay where your imagination does the work. Mm -hmm. With video games, the imagination is offloaded onto a computer, and it's just sh you don't have to imagine what's happening. You're seeing it. Mm -hmm. You're literally seeing, you know, like with a movie, you get to visualize it, but you don't have to imagine anything because, but it's scripted, so mm -hmm. you're not interacting, mm -hmm. right? And traditional games, you're only interacting, but there's nothing visual to it. Mm -hmm. Well, video games are visual and interactive, mm -hmm. so really your whole entire imagination process is offloaded onto a machine where the rules and the advancement is being done for you and just being portrayed to you. And for me, that's a seduction because uh, I was never into playing tabletop games as a mm -hmm. kid. One, because my mom really wasn't into that idea of me playing like D&D. &D. This was the 70s. It was the devil. Yeah, like back <laughs> then it was vilified, right, um, yeah. as something crazy. Hey, my dad took my Magic the Gathering cards away because... <laughs> 
because it was the devil. Right. Yeah. Um, but what I loved about the computer games, as opposed to traditional games, was that it validated my theory that I could master something. Mm. And when I was playing by myself with, say, uh, a set of uh, you know, whatever action figures that I might have had, like Star Wars or, you know, I had orcs and knights and things like that with dragons and all the demons and all that stuff, whatever. My mom didn't really know. but <laughs> I won't tell her. Yeah, but uh, it's like, yeah, you know what? That side won because I let them, like in my imagination when I was playing, they won because that's what my imagination did. Mm-hmm. But I don't know if in reality if that's what would happen. Well, of course, knights fighting dragons and all that bullshit doesn't actually ever happen. But on a computer, it says, no, you know, if you set them up like this and and you go at it, the, the uh, you know, this is how the battle unfolds. Yeah. And it's like, that's amazing. Mm-hmm. That's real. It, to me, it was real. And so I, I found it completely completely seductive. I was like, this is it. This is the coolest thing I've ever seen. Oh, yeah. Even though it was only 192 lines of resolution in six colors. And I had to figure out how to dither them to get other colors. Mm-hmm. You know, um, you know, it's funny. It's like a pixel art thing. I don't know if they've picked up on the old, old 8-bit when it's all <laughs> about the dithering, not about selecting 32 colors. It's like, exactly. take six colors and dither it, man. <laughs> you can't go harder. You, you're young and don't know how you've got it. You don't know 8-bit. your talking, software. Yeah. <laughs> you've got that soft 8-bit. That's more like 9-bit. You put the soft in software. <laughs> yeah. uh, man, I completely uh, lost track of what we were talking about. Oh, there. we're so talking we're, about origin first story. Ga- oh, yeah, origins. We're still in origin stories. Yeah, All right, yeah, yeah. first games, yeah. Um, Oh yeah, good stuff. I, I, you know, it's funny. I'm trying to even remember what my first graphical game was. I think, I think the real turning point for me, where I went from just making games for fun to thinking, hey, this is something I could actually do, mm-hmm. is I got a book, and oh, I wish I, I wish I still had it because it was like the book. It was the one book uh-huh. that kind of like changed everything for me. Uh-huh. Um, and I believe the author was by name Jonathan Harbor. Uh, but I can't re- quite remember, but it was basically, it's Windows programming uh, with the Win32 API, right? So it's like, hey, let's make games, huh. but not like DirectX, not OpenGL. Let's mm-hmm. just use the Win32 API, mm-hmm. like the basic Windows graphical library. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it had sprites, and it had like primitives, and and you could like, with clever use of your code, you could swap sprites quickly to get animations and stuff like And it was just like, now I'm making real games, mm-hmm. you know. But and at the time it was like, well, these games suck. No one would ever play mm-hmm. these games. The graphics stink because mm-hmm. that was during the big push for like Mo graphics all the time, mm-hmm. right? Now we're kind of in this whole retro 2D thing where my games might have actually been like super popular because <laughs> it was like, hey, give us that uh-huh. that retroy look. Uh-huh. But that's uh, why you never throw anything away. That's what I tell the students. I throw away. everything away. No, yeah. never throw it away. Archive it. I know, I know. I'll look up that book. I'll just put a link to it somewhere. But uh, but that book was like the one book where I was just like, that's where I made my first graphical games, and I was like, this is when I can really do this. And even the first like web series I did uh, of tutorial videos, the mm-hmm. training videos with mm-hmm. uh, Allegro, which is. You know, it uses OpenGL, but it's a very similar library to, like, say, the Win32 API. Um, you know, you're going to have to explain, like, what an API is. Oh, yeah. So, so basically, an API is um, a series of calls, code functions that you can call that do things. When you work in Unity, uh-huh. you know, right? So, like, when you say, you know, it's a something class. in Unity, yeah. like, transform.translate, yeah. that transform uh-huh. and translate are all part of the API that okay. Unity provides, right? Uh-huh. And they do something, okay. right? So, in Win32 API, you might say, like, 
begin draw. Mm -hmm. And that mm -hmm. that's a function you didn't declare. That's a function that's built into the API that says, oh, it's going to get ready to do these things. It's like someone's giving you a spell book with spells pre-written in them and saying, yeah. you just conjure these. There are functions that are just given to you and you All call right. them and they do things. So... You know, I, when I started working with Allegro, I, I made a, a video series on, on 2D game programming with this Allegro library, which is very similar, very low-level C++ stuff, you know, um, though that was a wrapper for, like, OpenGL, you know. Again, that was whole, that was kind of an homage to that first book mm -hmm. where I'm like, let's make some basic games and let's mm -hmm. just have fun with it. And, um, yeah, that was kind of where I went from there. And graphics still not very high on my list. <laughs> <laughs> which is interesting because I think one of the topics that we – suggested to each other to talk about today was about like this ever growing uh <coughs> this ever growing need to up the graphics ante that mm -hmm. even you know and I know you, this podcast will be uh, platform agnostic but the platform that you directly support unity i think some of the biggest bullet points if not most of the bullet points outside of the audio upgrade or mostly I mean, aren't graphical. they all? They're all graphical, from animation to uh, physically based rendering. All that stuff is all graphics. It's kind of a, a race. Mm -hmm. Almost, it's almost a race to get across uncanny, uncanny valley, mm. right? Because you know, are you familiar? With uncanny? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So as we get closer to something being realistic looking, it gets really creepy looking, yeah, right. like mannequins at the mall. And right. It's like so that. close, but then there's something evil about it, right? Yeah. Versus like if it was just more. Had we left it like cartoony, it would have been. I would have forgiven it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, when, if something's not supposed to look real and it doesn't look real mm -hmm. it's not a big deal but if something's supposed to look real and something's even slightly off about it yeah it's like that's an alien or that's right, a robot right. or something really not right right you're trying creepy, to creepy yeah you're trying you know? to fool me um but mm -hmm. i can tell you're not you're not uh, legitimate versus i can tell you're just a symbol for something and so i forgive it i read you as language not as um a, an actual literal thing L almost like a metaphor for a person right. if I'm trying to actually be it's like right. the house of wax the the, the wax people mm -hmm. and stuff like that yeah. now they're all kind of creepy yeah. looking because they look yeah. kind of but anyway so like you know we're all kind of smacking that uncanny valley in the face with the graphical capabilities and that's a problem mm -hmm. it was actually much better when we weren't so close because when you get kind of close then all of a sudden every flaw is completely apparent yeah. right and uh yeah, so I think it's kind of the first race to get across the Uncanny Valley. Who can give us a truly photorealistic, you know, uh, what do I want to say? A truly photo experience, mm -hmm. right? The fastest. And, and it's kind of weird. And, you know, like I said, I, you know, or like you said, I'm going to be, you know, platform agnostic. But mm -hmm. um, across all the platforms and across all the different games that everyone's like, graphics this, graphics mm -hmm. that. And I'm almost completely refreshed by this whole backwards trend mm -hmm. towards 2d retro games because that's that's my wheelhouse anyway mm -hmm. but uh but yeah it's pretty uh it's a pretty strong flow right now mm -hmm. i mean like just my my origin was you know looking at an apple II computer and just being so engrossed with it and then seeing the commodore 64 and being like whoa 16 colors <laughs> and like it's been graphics yeah for me like since the beginning mm -hmm. and to watch it keep marching up and up and up and up and up it's very from a game producer's perspective, mm -hmm. I find it very um, interesting and I, and I love it. But from a game playing perspective, uh, it's odd in that I'm like you. It's like my wheelhouse is that simpler stuff that I can read more readily. I don't care about having to learn this really um, uh, complicated 
3D navigation system to get into this very complex photoreal world. Mm -hmm. I want to be able to touch buttons and feel like I'm doing something really meaningful in the game. Uh, I almost have to wonder if that's something that just comes with age and gaming experience. Because for the longest time, I was like, oh, graphics. Like, mm -hmm. I'd buy the most terrible game mm -hmm. ever. As long as it looked good. Like, mm -hmm. it's just like, I was looking at the box, like, does it look awesome? Mm -hmm. I don't really care what it's about. Mm -hmm. I just want an awesome yeah. looking game. And I blame Final Fantasy VII for that. Because <laughs> after Final Fantasy VII, I was always like, I got to find the super awesome looking games, Japanese RPGs, because they have the best cinematics and mm -hmm. whatnot. Um, but what I've learned is that when you go back and play those games, they look like crap. Mm -hmm. Now, obviously, yeah. so graphics are really a shallow reward mm -hmm. because they don't last. Just go and watch The Matrix 2. Matrix mm -hmm. Reloaded. Yeah. Uh, no, actually, don't do that. <laughs> but um, but if, if, if you were ill-fated enough to go and do that, you would notice the CG, CG looks so bad. And you go back and you play Shadow Colossus, one of my favorite mm -hmm. games ever. You go back and play it, it looks so bad mm -hmm. um, because it's so shallow. Like, And so now I'm all about the gameplay. Mm -hmm. Like I, It can be one block versus another block, and I really mm -hmm. don't care. Mm -hmm. um, but I'm to a point where graphics, like, yeah, if they look nice, that's cool. Like, like the new Tomb Raider reboot, like, mm -hmm. oh, it's amazing looking. Mm -hmm. I know in a couple of years I'll go back and look at it and it'll look like garbage because mm -hmm. that, that's what graphics do, right? Mm -hmm. But gameplay, I mean, is solid forever. Right. Yeah. Well, the industry is set up to, it's like planned obsolescence. Mm -hmm. It's in everybody's interest to say, well, you need a new console because the new hardware is where it's at. And it's in the interest of the hardware manufacturers to keep selling us better and better silicon. It sounds like you and I are like, well, take it or leave All it. All I know is when I make my, my waffle teleporting game, the <laughs> waffles look amazing now. <laughs> right. Because the, yeah. the, end, the engines look so good. Yeah. How long until Game Maker gets physically based rendering or global illumination, yeah. do you think? Oh, I, who knows? <laughs> as, like, that would they be were recent, awesome. Yeah, they were recently bought by a new company. Uh -huh. So I bet you it's... For a song. For like... Yeah, not very much. Yeah. Well, I was surprised. I thought they were. I thought they had a really big installed. Yeah, piece. I have no idea what happened there, but it was interesting. Mm -hmm. Certainly, I don't know, in, indicative of industry or just weird situation. Mm -hmm. I'm not really sure. Yeah, but uh, I still really like that engine, though. Um, oh yeah, yeah, it's great. I, I still have a lot of fun uh, working in it. Um, and yeah, probably will return to it uh, when I need to prove things out really fast. Just because I'm still learning how to work in Unity and yeah. The, the tools well, are very you know, powerful. The whole node-based prototyping mm -hmm. and stuff like that yeah. the game maker gives you, I mean, it's pretty cool. Yeah. Like, yeah. Um, I've, I've used it a couple of times, and it's it's always been a pretty neat experience. Yeah. In case anybody um, happens to be listening to our podcast and they don't know what Game Maker is, it's a free-to-use um, 2D-based engine. I mean, it does do limited 3D, but it's... I like how you said, if anyone is yeah. listening. Yeah. <laughs> if anybody happens to want to know what Game Maker is, it's this really cool little engine that... Uh, that I learned at first and it was it was in fact my experience with that engine that when I noticed my frame rate dropping and I knew that was I was programming pretty poorly but I thought maybe it was something to do with my computer because uh, every time I had multiple applications open I was noticing a major slowdown I was like oh systems uh, run down so that's when I, I found you on Craigslist and, and tried to buy your machine uh, and that's so game maker. Yes, I sell things on Craigslist. That's yeah. how I make friends. Yeah, and that's how we got to know each other. And then, and then you introduced me like game maker. You should, you know, you should see Unity. That's three D. Yeah. yeah. The rest is history. The rest is, as they say, history. Yeah. And for a while there, Game Salad. I'd used that a couple times. Construct. There's a lot of mm -hmm. neat engines and stuff like that for that. You know, specializing in two D and and other things and stuff. So it's it's a great time to be a developer. 
Yes. Well, it's a great time to it's a great time to make software. It is a very confusing time to figure out is this a career or business uh, for me because it's so much in flux and it's so competitive. Wow, that's that's always been true though with this. Well, I say always lightly because yeah, it hasn't even yeah. existed. For yeah. That in, long, in my in my experience, when I entered the industry, you know, let's take the Wayback Machine to before uh, there was a Star Wars Episode One. Um, it was, you know, AutoCAD. Oh, <laughs> would you like to make levels for a video game? You know, that's that's all it took. Yeah. Um, and uh, the 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 barrier to entry to the retail marketplace was rather high. So yeah, yeah. to become a publisher, no, you're not going to do it. But um, well, I remember you want to make games. Let's 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 write OpenGL and let's program <laughs> vertices and actually yeah. multiply the matrices yeah. to get our rotations. Yeah. And you know, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. I so I, granted, to make a game from a coding pers- engineering perspective and from a publishing perspective, you know, 20 mm-hmm. years ago was very hard. Mm-hmm. But to land the position, there was there was so little competition. There were only a few houses mm-hmm. making games. So. Those houses knew we can be profitable doing this. Mm-hmm. Who else is making this product? Nobody. Right. Uh, so if we want to ramp up and hire a bunch of kids, I mean, you go to a SIGGRAPH with demo reel in hand. When you physically had a VHS reel or a CD with some images burned to mm-hmm. it and a, and a printed uh, resume, and you'd go from booth to booth, they'd look at your stuff and they'd say, okay, come back to our suite later, and they'd interview you and, you know, Anywhere from two weeks to six months later, you had a job. Um, now it's like who hires from direct, you know, people with zero experience right out of college from a SIGGRAPH or from a GDC. They may meet you, but you're going to have to be mentored. You're going to have mm-hmm. to. Not to um, mention yeah. you can self-publish now. Yeah, yeah. You're going to have to have a few titles under your belt. Yeah, whether Even if they're your own titles. Right, yeah, right. It's like, you know, when I when I taught, and I'm sure now that when mm-hmm. you teach, you know, and, you know, students coming out, they have to have that portfolio. Mm-hmm. They have to have. Show me these projects you've worked on. Show me that you finished something. Everyone started yeah. and abandoned right. 100 projects. Right. You know, what have you finished and stuff like that. But uh, Actually, yeah. you just touched on something that every single professional uh, I have ever talked to when saying, hey, what's the piece of advice you'd give to someone starting out? It's always finish something. something. Even if it's garbage. Yeah. yeah. Finish and, it. And it's, uh, it is not just to be able to cross a T or hit the bullet point is to prove that you can not just have the great idea because those are really easy to come up with. It's to realize, oh, there are problems with this idea and I can, I can figure it out. And even when it starts to become tedious, I still have the discipline. It will become tedious. Yeah. The discipline to see it through and to fix all the bugs that come along with it. No project is still exciting on that second year. No. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) But you know, it's it's actually, I'm going to disagree with you. You said, you said coming up with the good ideas is really easy. Mm And I'm going to say that coming up with the good ideas is actually, it might be easy, but I'm more inclined to say it's accidental, mm. right? Um, because who really knows what <laughs> idea is going to be the good? Who would have looked at Flappy Bird? Yeah. Just just looked at it once uh-huh. and just gone, oh, yeah, that's it. That's <laughs> right. the one. You know, right, like right. Who, any mediocre or even bad idea with enough effort can be a great game. Yeah. And a good idea or a great idea with no effort can be a terrible game. Mm-hmm. Or a great idea with little effort mm-hmm. can be a great game. Yeah. Who knows, right? Like, it's it's kind of like that bottled lightning. It's yeah. like, yeah. so yeah, you, you great ideas, sure, maybe. But even a great idea, I mean, it, it's got to be the right time. It's got to mm-hmm. click. It's got to, mm-hmm. you know, all these things. It's, you know, at any rate, I, I digress there. But it's just, I was thinking about that, that uh, the ideas themselves are kind of... Uh, odd yeah <laughs> fickle so maybe the advice really is 
finish many ideas because you you can't just bank it on one. The well, your portfolio one, doesn't yeah. have to be like the great idea. Right, your portfolio right. just has to say, look, I can make something. And mm-hmm. I, I finished what I started. At least one thing I finished mm-hmm. that I started because, mm-hmm. um, yeah, crunch is real, mm-hmm. you know, and tedium and you get bored. And that that's why I don't work on big teams because right. I'm right. terrible at, right. at the – I'm a 75 percenter. <laughs> I get 75 percent of the way done and yeah. I say, you know, I could finish this if I want to. So, eh, <laughs> I could do it if I wanted to. Who am I trying to prove anything to? I'm going to stop. Right. Right. <laughs> and, that's, and that's the um, inertia you got to fight, right? You've, right. Like if you, are, if you don't have a back catalog of work that you can point to, especially recent work that you can point to and say like, this is what I've achieved and I'm capable of doing now, uh, then you've got to fight that, res- that urge to be like, it's good enough. It proves, I proved the idea to myself. Mm-hmm. You've got to prove it to somebody else. And, right. Uh, oh, yeah. yeah. So that's... Let's transition. Okay. Let's talk about what we're playing now. Okay. Um, what are you playing right now? Uh, so I thought about that question beforehand. It's like, you know, I should bring my iPad so I can show what I'm, I've been playing because. Who uh, would you show? Oh, show it to me. Show it to you. I was about to say. <laughs> and, and then we could talk about them. But the truth is, mm-hmm. I've not been playing those games. I've downloaded them and I've looked at them a little bit. But um, you have to be honest. What yeah. are you playing? What I've been playing has been. Uh, Starcraft 2. <laughs> not, not only is it just Starcraft 2, it's the old Starcraft 2. The one before they did all the balancing and unveiled How do you play new... it? Like, don't they force you to update? No, you don't have to. You, you can still play at the old Wings, Wings of Liberty level, uh, which is oh. what I do. And I'm a middling platinum. You know, I, I teeter on the top eight list uh, on a platinum level. But that's okay. that's considered like, a, you know, like B minus if there was a grade out for mm-hmm. it. I'm a B minus player in StarCraft. And then I dabble in Heroes of the Storm beta uh, occasionally with you, but you always have that uh, kick-ass team that you're playing with. So <laughs> there's no room for a noob like me. Yeah, I'm barely holding my own in that <laughs> yeah. game. You know, it's funny, like, I re- StarCraft 2 came out and I was platinum. And now I can't even get out of bronze. Like, I don't know what happened. That's because like, you're a father. I, think that's I a... was a father then, too. It's, <laughs> it's uh, I don't know, like... All the ma- meta and macroing, and they have to mm-hmm. pay attention. I miss the days where you would build an army and your buddy would build an army, <laughs> and 20 minutes in, you'd have these two massive armies, mm-hmm. and you'd just meet at the middle of the map and just beat the crap out of each <laughs> other. And now it's all like, oh, 15 seconds in, you don't have 36 drones, you're done. I mean, I can just quit right now. You've obviously lost this game. Mm-hmm. Like, like you're being invaded by by drones like what 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 their workers are drilling your workers in the head and you didn't buy this upgrade and and now don't you know you're supposed to drop your barracks directly on the other opponent's base and when it blows up you win or yeah i just man like like 45 seconds in you know if you want to watch the game it's like what's the point like i don't even get a chance to get to the cool stuff Like it's always so stressful. That's Bronze League Heroes. You don't have no, you have no idea. A Bronze League Heroes actually, yeah. it's a, it's a, that's a label from a YouTube channel I watch. Uh, oh, okay. Starcraft. He, he used to. I don't think he's been doing it very lately. Um, put up videos of bronze level players going at it, mm-hmm. and it's the most wacky. Like, yeah, yeah, unpredictable. Why, why are drones? Why are workers coming into my town to? Why wouldn't beat they the crap be? Out of, yeah. Maybe they started a militia. Yeah. I like a little story with my game. They started a militia. Crazy reactions. Yeah. They've drilled a giant pit. And right. when, you're, when your army comes over, right. they fall in. But that goes all the way back to my origin story of like when I used to play with action figures or little mm-hmm. army men and be like, I really wish I could know whether or not my Were army Were you macroing would... with your army men? Like your army men had to have 230 actions per minute for you to, for you to be I didn't have, I didn't have those concepts. I didn't have those concepts back then. I would have... Uh, 
and I, I didn't know about the uh, art of war, uh, mm-hmm. but I would imagine positioning being important. Did I mass correctly? Did I have a formation? Was I on the hill mm-hmm. looking down on them and they have to go uphill? Uh, these are, you know, the, the imaginings of a eight-year-old kid. You know, mm-hmm. what did I really know about battles? Nothing. You know, I was just imagining, oh, I could have bowmen. They could hit these guys. But then they, there must be a weakness, right? Like, oh, they would get rushed by the guys on horses. Not if all their bowmen are legless. Yeah, there are no right, weaknesses. Right. <laughs> but that's why game strat, real-time strategy was um, so attractive to me. So, mm-hmm. like, Age of Kings and that No, my real-time strategy peaked at Command and Conquer Generals. Right. Was that the one they had the real, uh, the actual live video? Oh, yeah. It was like the U.S. fighting the Middle East. Yeah, okay. At the time I played it, I was in the U.S. Army in the <laughs> Middle East. It was very poignant. <laughs> uh, and it had the live action cutscenes. Uh, and I just remember you could play as the different generals. And I was always like the super weapons general. Like five minutes in, I was dropping nukes yeah. on, or the iron cannons yeah. on everyone. It was it was a fun game. I don't yeah. know. Um, but that that was a game we all land. We were in the army, you know, yeah. overseas. Yeah. So we just all had computers. We land together yeah. and played locally, and it was awesome. But uh, yeah. that was the peak of my real time okay. strategy. Okay. See, my start with real time strategy was actually with uh, Westwood Studios. Was the um, I think they're now closed. Are they not? Probably. Yeah. It's unf- sad to say they're. I think they're closed. Uh, I played their game Doom Two. Oh yeah, yeah. I've so they that. didn't make a Dune one. Dune one was this other really weird but cool uh, Dune game. I played that one as mm-hmm. well. It was strategy esque, but it wasn't an, an RTS like we know them. Mm-hmm. Dune two was an RTS, and I recently found it on an emulator, like a DOS emulator, and I tried playing it. It's unplayable. I'm like, what is this? That's illegal, Mike. I just want you to know that. <laughs> oh, oh, is it? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> it was like oh, it was running out of a browser. It was amazing. But anyways. Yeah. It was so, so terrible. I was like, I loved this game. This was the most... I, in my well, you ima- can never go back. you got to leave yeah, it in Yeah, in memory. my memory, like the worms coming out, like so many... I went back and played Syndicate. And again, unplayable. Like, ah, <laughs> oh, Sid Meier's Syndicate. It was awful. And I, I remember so fondly. But, uh, nah. So what's a game like right now that we're playing? Like I... Like I think StarCraft will age relatively well because the original StarCraft... Yeah, yeah. yeah. But um, there's got to be a game... Like Ori and the Blind Force, which we mm-hmm. both oohed and odd, or uh, the Stanley Parable, which we had a laugh with uh, <laughs> yeah, the other night. Right. Do those? Well, we say like I don't know what we're thinking. Those weren't really games. Those, are those weren't game. Though, neither of those are like gameplay oriented games. Now, Ori and the Blind Forest, obviously solid gameplay mechanics, mm-hmm. right? The platforming and stuff like mm-hmm. that. Story confusing. Graphics pretty cool. And their graphics aren't trying to be real, which means they're going to last a heck of a lot uh-huh. longer than yeah. graphics that are trying to be real. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's interesting. They they're not trying to be photoreal, but they certainly use every graphics well, technique in the book. quality, yeah. but very surreal, which yeah, means yeah. dream sequence like, mm-hmm. right? Uh-huh. So it doesn't really matter. Right. In twenty years, it's still going to be just as unreal mm-hmm. as it was today. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, whatever yeah. you know. Um, and of course, like I say, the mechanics of Ori and the Blind Forest are solid, mm-hmm. just because I can't imagine them being better. I really like the game. Mm-hmm. Who knows? Maybe in five years I'll go back and be like, these mechanics stink. Right? Mm-hmm. Who knows? I mean, that's the evolution mm-hmm. of games, right? When I played Shadow of the Colossus, mm-hmm. I thought that was like the pinnacle. And then I went back and played it. And again, it was like, even the controls were impossible to do mm-hmm. use. Not impossible, which is much more difficult mm-hmm. than what you're used to. A lot less refined. Mm-hmm. Um, so who knows? Maybe, you know. But, yeah. I don't know. I don't remember the question. Oh, the question was, <laughs> what are we playing now? And I said oh, StarCraft and, right, right, right. and Heroes of the Storm. So uh, clearly I'm on a Blizzard PC kick. But yeah. you, you have a much more varied taste. Well, I, I too am playing Heroes of the Storm um, quite fanatically, actually. I probably get about six matches in a day. Mm. 
um, which at 20 to 30 minutes a match kind of tells you how much I play that a game or play that a day. Um, so yeah, in that that game is rather kind of an interesting proving that I was wrong kind of thing. <laughs> I don't like click to move mechanics, hmm. right? Like that's why I don't do a lot of real time strategies anymore. Okay. Um, that's why Diablo three on the PC. I got it when it first uh-huh. came out. I liked it. I liked it, uh-huh. right? But I stopped playing it. Um, started loving it when it came to console with the controller because it's more like a beat em up, right? Mm-hmm. I hate click to move. Mm-hmm. Um, not only because. I mean, from a pure mechanical standpoint, if I have my mouse cursor in front of a character and I click for them to move, mm-hmm. and I want them to turn around and move the other way, I have to move my mouse right. double distance, right. move to the character, and then right. move past the character, right. and then click to get them to right. turn around. And to me, that feels a lot less responsive. But besides that, if I'm not directly controlling the character, if I'm just saying, go here, go there, mm-hmm. then it's not me playing the game. I see. Right? I'm just telling this avatar where right. to go. I'm not that avatar. Right, right. right. Um, as were a direct control, even if it's third person, I can say that's me because my commands directly translate into immediate movement. Mm-hmm. Not like, hey, you go do this. It's more like, I'm going to go do this. Right. So I don't generally like click to move mechanics for that reason. One, they're unresponsive. Mm-hmm. And two, they kind of break the immersion mm-hmm. for me. Um, but here's the storm I'm really liking, right? I really like the mobile format, um, which is funny because I don't like click to move and Click mm-hmm. Move kind of dominates the mobile format, but I've really liked games like Super Monday Night Combat, mm-hmm. which are MOBAs, but they're third-person direct control. So Super Monday Night Combat, Smite, those games were a lot mm-hmm. of fun for me, um, a lot of fun. And unfortunately, not enough people play Super Monday Night Combat. Are these anymore. PC or console? PC. Okay. Yeah. Um, Steam, I assume you get. Them yeah. Steam. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, Super Monday Night Combat may have been on console. I don't really know, right? But I I played them on PC. Um, I think it was a console. My, my Monday night, was maybe Monday Night Combat Live. was, and then Super Monday yeah. Night Combat was the sequel or something okay. like that. Okay. Uh, I know Super Monday Night Combat is the sequel to Monday okay. Night Combat. But then, so here's the storm. Like, you sent me the, the yeah. beta invite, and I was like, ah, I, I don't think I'm going to like this, you know? I don't like click the move. Mm-hmm. And I, I've, I've really gotten into it. So it's actually uh, been, uh, you know, pretty a pretty interesting neat experience to enjoy a game that utilizes a primary mechanic that i don't like mm-hmm. but i still like the game so right. I, I guess the game is good enough that i can bypass mm-hmm. my dislike for the mechanic if they ever release that game where you can use a controller i will you'll never see me again <laughs> like i will literally yeah. just board up the door yeah. to my basement you, and just what live would that here. control scheme look like because you would still need a way of projecting something outside of the character to lay down a spell right especially like i want to cast a spell in this area um where well right now they, they already do that because they have the, the, the smart cast right so you'll cast in the direction of your mouse right so now with dual thumbsticks right one moves you and the other one's your quick cast or aiming or your skill shots or whatever right and then you've still got all your buttons to be all of your abilities right so you could totally make it work um I'm sure there's a reason they don't. I mean, obviously, it's all about balanced gameplay and fairness mm-hmm. and make sure everyone plays the same way, especially in highly competitive mm-hmm. games. You don't want so people have an advantage being forced to play one way because it's statistically well, better it, or whatever. I know with Microsoft, they're coming out with Windows 10, right? And mm-hmm. in their, now, I'm not sure what the initiative or program is called, but it's going to be basically all their devices using the same OS, including the Xbox, right? Yeah. If I'm not mistaken. I believe that's called Operation Basketball Hoop. <laughs> I just, no, I just made that up. <laughs> well, well, whatever it's called, the idea is supposed to be you can um, 
whatever device you're on, you're attached to the system. Right. So, so I could imagine... They've I'm been laying the infrastructure for that for years. Yeah, so I could be playing uh, a MOBA on mm -hmm. the Xbox One, mm -hmm. uh, perhaps, and you could be playing it on a PC. And so there are going to be two different control schemes. One's going to be a controller, one's going to be a keyboard mouse. Mm -hmm. And they're going to be on Unless the they force system. you to have a controller for the PC. I see. Yeah. yeah. They could do that, of course. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I don't know, right? It's... A lot of people, a lot of people, a lot of organizations have attempted to do this dual play yeah. setup, all fairly unsuccessful. So, if Microsoft is able to do it, that would be very interesting. I said they let, let players have the option, and they could say like, "You're a dummy if you play on a console with a controller because PC with a mouse keyboard is so much more." Control. Yeah, but then you're you're basically kind of eradicating half of your player base. Right, right, right. No, I'm saying the players would could say like, evolutionarily speaking, if you look at the results, if you play on keyboard mouse, you're going to win. So don't play on a controller, and people are like yeah. You know, but what, what if you like? only have a console? Right. Then so, it's like, well, the, so they, I'm willing to because it's the only way I can play. But so. why not? So the other argument that then is just make all console players use the same control scheme, make all PC players use the same control scheme, and then and, and if they can only separate. play against each other, right. then they're yeah. all in a balanced field, yeah. and you don't right. isolate any of them. I'm not saying that's the way I'd like it to be yeah. because I'd like to have the yeah. option, but okay. from a purely economic standpoint. You'd rather be inclusive than exclusive, right? Yeah. But uh, I don't know. But besides Heroes of the Storm, I just got Witcher 3 okay. last night. Oh, yeah. You went to the midnight launch, didn't I you? I did. I did. I, I went to the 1125 launch. <laughs> um, so, I didn't, <laughs> yeah. So, it was nice. I got did a you chance go with to friends? Play. Uh, no, I didn't. My okay. my uh, one buddy I was going to go with ended up having to work super early this morning. Oh, so, okay. I just picked up his copy and put it in his mailbox. Okay. Um, and then he's been on radio silence all day. So, I think he's <laughs> okay. enjoying it. But um, pretty neat. Yeah. Um, I really liked the I'm, so I've never played Witcher one. Okay, Witcher two I played on the PC briefly, but like for like an hour. So I don't have a lot of experience with the Witcher games, but I've read the Witcher lore because okay. I thought it was interesting. Yeah, right. And I, I I think the the Witcher series has a very interesting. Did it start as a book or something? Or where I don't it, know. I, and I, isn't it like Polish or something? I don't again oh, okay. don't know. Okay. I mean, so right now they're dealing with the Wild Hunt. The Wild Hunt is more of like a uh, like a, a pagan thing. Okay. Uh, so I would say it's more like a I don't want to say Scandinavian, but at least Northern European mm -hmm. thing. But uh, but not entirely certain there. Okay. Um, but very interesting character design, very interesting character concepts. Even the tagline on the box like put me right in the mood to play it, <laughs> and it, it was I, I believe I, the box upstairs. But it's uh, the world doesn't need a hero; it needs a professional. <laughs> and one thing you'll know about me: I'm big into the antihero. Like uh, that's my thing. That's my <laughs> that's my bread and butter. Like you give me like a bad guy who's reluctantly the good guy, and I'm just like, yeah, that's yeah. my guy, right? That's my character. And so this game is just basically like. He wakes up in the morning and just wipes his butt with angst toilet paper. Like, he is the anti-hero guy. Like, he shaves with a blunt stone just to make him more angry. And, uh, yeah, so, so far the game has been pretty good, right? I, I'm enjoying the gameplay. It's that third-person fantasy. I totally mm -hmm. dig all that. My only gripe, really, is just a couple of UX items, mm -hmm. right? Which, you know, luckily this day and age can totally be fixed. But um, one, I play on a so I play on a 55 inch TV, 1080p. I sit 10 to 12 feet away from it. The text on the screen is so small, I literally yeah. cannot read it. Uh -huh. And I have 20/20 vision, right? 
but I have to like move forward. This like, what does that say? <laughs> I'm squinting at the screen, like, and so from a just a, a user UI standpoint, I cannot read the text. And you've looked in the menus, you can't find. A I'm on the maximum size setting. You can actually wow. make it smaller. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and so I yeah, I imagine that might get patched. I don't know, okay. right? But and it's minor. Like I can get over it. I can just kind of look at the icons to figure out what things are. And just if I ever am curious to actually read it, I'll just go up to my TV yeah. to read what it says. But uh, I'm having the hardest. Maybe I'm just I'm so far from my TV uh-huh. or whatever, but I cannot read it. Um, and that's kind of a gripe there. And, you know, otherwise I occasionally will get feedback um, that I don't know what it means. My controller will vibrate, but I'll have no on-screen. Uh-huh. And I'll go, okay, I stop. My yeah. controller vibrated. What does that mean? Yeah. And I don't know. And maybe it's just because I haven't played the game enough or, you know, a particular enemy will attack me and I'll, I'll parry and everything's fine. And a different enemy will attack me. Well, again, a humanoid enemy, basic attack, whatever, and I, I block or whatever. But I get staggered and hurt. And I'm like, why did that? Mm-hmm. Is it because that's that that type of creature? Or is it because they did some yeah. attack? And I'm sure I'll learn these things. Mm-hmm. But it's just one of those things is like from a a visual, like how right. are you sending me right. data, right? I'm just like, what happened? Yeah, there's a design pillar that uh, I remember learning years and years ago. Content is communication. Sure. And... Uh, there's a, it's a reason why, you know, the enemies in a Halo game have such distinct silhouettes, mm-hmm. and each class of enemy has a different colored armor scheme. Mm-hmm. Um, well, even or, as Punch Out did it, every enemy has a tell. Yeah, right, you know, tell, right, yeah. yeah, you have to, even if it ends up like, well, is it realistic? Is it, you know, would mm-hmm. some concessions yeah. are made? Some yeah, like, sacrifice. Well, like, well, if you look at like all the army guys from a typical military sim, yeah, yeah, it's really hard to tell them one from. From the next you just kind of have to learn over time mm-hmm. the, the tiny little differences maybe you're looking at the at the gun that they're carrying mm-hmm. or whatever and, and you can tell from a distance and i always say i did with every new game i have yeah. to and especially when i go from pc to console i have to train my eyes to see that game yeah right like i have to kind of teach my my eyes what bits of information are important about this game yeah. so that i can more flow with the game and it just hasn't clicked in yet i mean i've only had it a few hours okay. Almost twenty hours, you know. Mm-hmm. I've only played it a couple, but uh, I mean, besides a couple little of those UX uh-huh. things, right? The rest of it, I mean, it's cool, right? Like the different uh, the the signs or the spells and stuff like that. I mean, you know, there's a lot of little details too, uh, you know, and especially with the, the character carries two swords. One is steel for human uh-huh. enemies, and one is silver for monsters, right? <laughs> and I think that's I, that's neat, right? They could have very easily, and I know that's kind of an ongoing thing mm-hmm. with The Witcher, it's not new to Witcher mm-hmm. 3, but they could have very easily just said, oh, you carry one magical sword. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's classic, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. But just little things like that, you're like, yeah. oh, cool, that's pretty neat, and he's always walking around with the two swords. Yeah. You, know? you know, the story uh, is actually pretty typical. It's that anti-hero story uh it's fantasy tropes and like even even halo has main characters persecuted yeah Yeah. it has like oh you were aren't aren't witchers like abducted as children or something and turned into and they're mutated with monster parts okay they're turned into a monster to fight monsters right right so all of humans are like fear and hate them even though their role is to keep humans alive you know sort of like spartans Uh, and hate like there's it's a it's a common uh, story and trip. what always ends up happening but, is they're the most humane yeah, out of everybody. Right. Even the humans are monsters compared right. to them, the way they act. Yeah. yeah. But anyway. But the the point I was trying to make is that what makes each game interesting is that they have very different specific details about them. Mm-hmm. In The Witcher's case, is that he has an arsenal that's designed specifically for certain enemy types. Mm-hmm. A sword for 
you know, unfortunately, human victims and another mm. for... Well, I wouldn't call them the victims. Okay. Or, they really, really have it coming. Okay. Okay. <laughs> I, I don't know the story, so maybe they do have it coming. Yeah. yeah. Even if they don't, whatever. <laughs> I, I still don't feel bad for them. They're not real. But, <laughs> but uh, anyway, yeah. So I, you know, I'm definitely interested to keep playing with that. I'm excited to actually play through and finish my first Witcher game. Okay. Even though, you know, um, I'd, I'd go back and play The Witcher 2. I just don't have an Xbox 360 anymore, so... Uh, I have one you can borrow. I've never played my. Oh, uh, there you anymore. go. So now I really will never get anything done. <laughs> but uh, but yes, yeah, certainly some want to try. But those are the games I'm playing right now. Oh, I did just start. Um, oh, this War of Mine. Yeah, you mentioned that. Oh right? man, that's a cool game yeah. too. Um, challenging, right? All about surviving mm-hmm. a war as a yeah. refugee and stuff. Um, kind of heavy, but uh, certainly uh, certainly a fun game. I sat down to just try it out the other day, and like four and a half hours later, I was like, oh man, what happened? Yeah, so it, it definitely a good game too. Okay. Yeah, so definitely worth checking out. I got it as part of a humble humble bundle. Okay. Um, well, all right. So yeah, that'll wrap up our our first uh, podcast, Mike's video game podcast. So uh, thanks, and uh, stay tuned for episode two, which knowing us will probably never ever happen, <laughs> right? <laughs> Yeah, but anyway, it'll, be, uh, it'll well, be me on Skype from Seattle because it'll be a year from now, right? You're never leaving in Ohio. You know you're gonna stay. <laughs> why do you think? Why do you keep thinking? Because Ohio, there's really no leaving Ohio. Yeah, I'll tell you, there are <laughs> it's like things, the Hotel there, California. Yeah, yeah, there are definitely <laughs> things that I'm going to miss, and I, every day I find something uh, new to miss. What did I say to myself uh, most recently? You know what it is? Driving is so relatively easy here yeah. versus on the West Coast, where there's so much construction and so much traffic. They just get stuck everywhere. Or there's a you get an intersection like twenty bridge. seconds in Ohio. You're like, what is the holdup? <laughs> yeah. Whereas, like, <laughs> at the worst, it's like leaving Cleveland at, at five thirty eight in the evening. Yeah. Days. Delays you by twenty minutes. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. All right. Well, uh, so I am Mike Geig, and I am Michael Wu, and thank you for listening. And stay tuned for episode two. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs>